it's funny because five years ago I was telling everybody I was a content creator and people were like what what in the world is that content is just what makes kind of the the social media world tick now I just always kind of saw like the action coming at me and, and I started doing things that nobody was was doing at that time you know the isolation that kind of carried on with all those hours late at night really helped me you know accomplish my goals to, to now I'm always going to push you to kind of go after your dreams because that's just literally like what made me just because you're 29 30 it's it's not too late trust me it's all about passion man it, it, everybody has the same dna strand i think there's a whole blueprint to you know really going after your dreams and i feel like doubt can be used as a really motivational component in life that rejection kind of fueled me to kind of push myself to to kind of where i am today i remember walking into my work the very next day and quitting my job on the spot and I only had like $200 in my account because I was so depressed from everything that happened to me. And I went on QVC.com, ordered my first camera and was like, you know, I'm going to go after my dream. I didn't have much money. I wasn't making any money doing what I love, but I was happy as hell. And I think that's the thing that scares people is, you know, if they're going to chase after a dream, there's a good chance you're not going to see any money for two years. So how am I going to survive? How are you going to survive? And I think you need to do that if you're a creator. You gotta like put in free time, put in free work. You gotta really prove to people that you really wanna help them. Right. It's hard for people to understand that there's not gonna be any immediate gain at that moment. Like it's gonna happen down the line. You have to put the work in and you have to work hard. And those are the most cliche things that I always tell a person. Failure has made me who I am. That's one of the things I pride myself is I, I, I almost welcome failure, man. I want people to know like you can become anything you want to be, but you just have to have that belief in yourself. You know, having that doubt, having that rejection, it really, it reminds me to keep going. I never want to feel like a janitor again. I never want to clean toilets again. You know, clouded doubt is something that I, I heard in an interview and we, run into doubt along the way a lot so we need to really eliminate that doubt and really practice that eliminate that doubt throughout our lives so that's kind of like my message of having that cloud of doubt mm -hmm. getting rid of it so what's the next step for sam lamone honestly it's basically to create dope sick content that just motivates the average basketball fan, even motivates any fan, any normal person, you know, to get up, pick up a ball. But I just want to keep creating and just keep creating and not worrying about kind of the outside noise. And But I never want to lose the art of what, how I create things. Always story building, always story driven. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Well, bless your ears, baby. I listen to hidden gems every night before I go to bed. I listen to hidden gems in the kitchen. Hidden gems. What's up? Today we're here with Sam Lamone. He's a content creator for Pure Sweat Basketball and Drew Hamlin's Basketball Skills Training. Anything unseen hours or anything you've seen with Brad Beal, Jason Tatum, all those guys, that's Sam. That's Sam's work. Sam, we're happy to have you here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. 
So we'll just start out and you can tell us about your journey. It's a pretty unique one and I'm sure the viewers will be excited to hear about it. So wherever you want to start from, we'd love to just hear your journey from high school, college, all the way to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a question that uh, I get asked a lot. You know, people always kind of ask me, like, what do I do? Just a bunch of different things that I do. It's funny because five years ago, I was telling everybody I was a content creator. And people were like, what What in the world is that? Right. <laughs> like, people just didn't know what that was. And now, flash forward six years, five years now, there is like a head of content job position now. And like companies like Overtime, companies like House of Highlights, there's there's so much content-driven media outlets now that content is just what makes kind of the the social media world tick now, which is, to me, it's just funny how everything kind of worked itself out, how my job is kind of prominent in today's world. So without knowing, since I was a little kid, from 11 years old, I started editing videos and really? creating stuff. And yeah, yeah. So I started, a lot of people don't know this, but... Um, my start into this whole editing world was watching Kobe Bryant videos on YouTube. And that was mm -hmm. one of my favorite players growing up. And everybody knows uh, how much I looked up to him. And and that was kind of my how my passion came sort of about. You know, I got to see this player every day, give it his all. And I saw every late game practically on TV. And I started seeing all these highlights on TV. And then people would start ripping them from TV and uploading them to YouTube and uploading them from the game. And it wasn't the traditional broadcast angle. It was more so like the highlight replay angle. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Like the zoomed in or always the replays after the broadcast angle. Yeah, exactly. And I just always kind of saw like the action coming at me. And, and one of the things that I'm very keen on today is people always tell me like it feels like you're there. I don't know, Justin, if you kind of get that feeling when I'm filming like the NBA highlights or the NBA footage that you see from Drew's stuff. But right, I absolutely. just want to make it known that like, you know, people who are watching this, it makes you feel like they're there. So from a young age, I kind of really studied that from the get-go where it just felt like the action was coming to me. And I never wanted to use the broadcast angle. It was like the funniest thing. Like, no, I'm not using that. It just it doesn't feel right, you know. So right. I would always look for I would always look for the best angles, the best cuts. And I started doing things that nobody was was doing at that time. So here I was, twelve years old, working on Windows Movie Maker. And I made my first mixtape, Kobe. That's what they used to call him back in the day, like mixes. And I, I made my first mixtape with Kobe, and it got over five hundred thousand views in the first year. Wow! And, and this is where. And how did you did you just whoa. learn this? Was this self taught, or did you have a mentor through this? Or no, I was literally I was I don't like to brag or I'm boasting, but I would feel like it was kind of my calling. I was kind of working up to my job I was going to do in the future. Right. And it's weird to say that now, but you know, secretly that was what I wanted to do. But nobody, you know, knew what that was. My parents were like, oh, that's cool. Like, they just thought it was like a fad. Right, a little you know? hobby. Yeah, a little hobby. And, you know, my, my mom, God bless her, she wanted me to have the best education in the world, but I was just not school-oriented. I was more like creatively, you know? I got you. And uh, it was all me. It was all by myself. Like, if I wasn't, I was very serious about soccer, which kind of kept me motivated in life, and, and I wanted to be a Division One athlete, but on the side, like I was not going out. I wasn't hanging out with friends. Like I was on the computer. I was editing. So I was pretty much honing the thing secretly my whole life until when I was 23 and everything kind of just fell into fruition, you know. But no, it was all me. No teachers, no nothing. 
I was just literally working on my 10,000 hours. So it seems like now. Right. That's really cool. And I mean, that those habits that you have carry over to today and I'm sure they did into high school and college. Um, Can you kind of tell us how that kind of grew from that age 12 going into college and then, you know, exiting college. And yeah. So like I said, soccer always kept me grounded. I, I try to take the, the Mamba mentality, you know, to, to try to prove everybody wrong. You know, I can make it to division one and my whole life. I went to very small schools, like a 250 person high school. So the odds were really against me. I was, my back was just always against the wall in terms of soccer. So um, if I wasn't playing soccer, I was, I was editing in my room. You know, I, it's a true story. I never went to any of my proms. I never went to any of my dances. I remember these girls wanting me to go and, and I would literally turn them down because I had a soccer game the next day Right. or I was just editing videos. I was just, I literally honestly believe that, you know, the isolation that kind of carried on with all those hours late at night really helped me, you know, accomplish my goals to, to now. And I feel like, I don't, I'm not saying it's bad to be an introvert, but if you have really high goals, a lot of people are not going to understand that at a young age, 12, 13 years old. Right. And that's just the reality of today's world, quite honestly. And there's a lot of creatives now that you're seeing who are just kind of blowing up, becoming IG personalities. Well, mm-hmm. you know, all these people that I'm coming in contact with, they all pretty much have the same kind of DNA in some degree. You know, there was a little bit of doubt or there are people not believing them or you know, them secretly just keeping them, keeping their passions kind of secret and like working it behind the scenes. There's so many underlying kind of DNA strands where we're all kind of similar. We all love what we do. Right. You know? and successful and people put their head down and work and you can definitely yeah, see that trend. Yeah. And it's funny because I was literally, I always love to help people and I'm always going to push you to kind of go after your dreams because that's just literally like what made me. Right. And I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in that cubicle and to that paycheck coming out of college saying, hey, we're going to pay you $80,000 to kind of sit at a desk all day and do work. Yeah, exactly. That is awesome. Like $80,000 a year. That's awesome. But at the end of the day, it's just you're waiting until that clock ticks five o'clock and you can just leave, you know. So what I'm able to do today is, is kind of understand that insight from other people and try to make them realize that, hey, just because you're 29, 30, it's, it's not too late. Trust me. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's plenty of time left. Yeah. I mean, from a very young age, I started creating more and more of those Kobe videos. I think I, in total, from age 13, when I started, I had about 20 of them. And my I changed my YouTube moniker. The, my moniker used to be called The Person 18. And now it's called Just Sam Lamont. I just kind of made it a little bit more professional. But right. you can find all my Kobe videos on there. And uh, really? there's Yeah, I'm pretty proud of them. And it's funny because you know Everett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Who works for Pure Sweat, one of my uh, video guys that was working under me. He used to watch this Kobe video before every basketball game. And And it was yours? And it was mine. And he started freaking out one night. I was like, yeah, bro, that's me. That's me. So I showed him my views. I showed him my profile. And he was in disbelief because he was like, bro, I used to watch this every night, every day before a basketball game to get me fired up. So it's interesting. I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing you guys have seen some of that stuff, but you you might have. And that's a trend that we've seen on this podcast is like basketball is a small world in reality. It's all connected. Oh, yeah. Everything is connected. It's all about passion, man. Everybody has the same 
DNA strand. Like uh, whether if you go to sleep late or you're just you like being up late, working late, like that's just that's another kind of light bulb right there. I really feel like there's a whole path to being great, to being successful and, and to really going after your dreams. I really do think there's a dream path in, in which you need to follow. They should really have like a college course of abandoning the, the core values of, you know, studying business, studying mar- like marketing. Those are very prominent now, but right. like you shouldn't force somebody to be a doctor or force somebody to be a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a whole blueprint to, you know, really going after your dreams. Literally should be a call a dream course or a dream chaser school, you know? Right. That that'd be really cool. That's a really interesting yeah. thought. So you went to college, you played D one soccer, and then you were a janitor at one point and this whole journey you've you've taken the steps to be successful from an early age, but at the same time it's not like it was easy and it's not like it was handed to you. No, no. I mean I've told you multiple times about my janitor story and uh, the one thing I do is uh, I really do dive in really deep with that story. And uh, I really want to just kind of summarize it. But, you know, you know, my whole high school career, everybody kind of doubted me. So I, I really had that narrative of, of being doubted a lot, Justin. And I, I, we right. talked about that a lot. And I feel like doubt can be used as a really motivational component in life. Absolutely. And obviously now I'm trying to start, I'm starting to tone it down because I've literally I've accomplished what I've set out to do. And I think it's pretty much, um, I think it can hurt you a little bit now when you're successful, you really start thinking about those negative things. But I think when you are trying to achieve something, you can use that permanent rejection or permanent doubt from your family members or from people who seem like your best friends or old girlfriends. I, I really do think those things come into play, you know, just certain things like that, I think come into play. But everything possible that could happen to a person in a span of 11 months happened to me. I made it as a walk-on D1. I played D2 for two years, and then I transferred to a Division One school, St. Mary's College of California. And unfortunately, you know, I worked my ass off. I was in training camp, and I knew I, could, I, knew I belonged with the D1 kids. I, I really did. I really I was playing well. The coach was pulling me aside saying I, I was doing exceptionally well in practice and scrimmages and when it was time to sign my you know my walk on uh not contract but kind of commitment right i ended up getting hurt the day before so i got a sports hernia and my stubborn ass wanted to come back early i came back early like two weeks i think you're supposed to wait like a whole three weeks before even doing any running right came back (laughs) early failed the conditioning test re-aggravated my sports hernia and here I am my coach is feeling bad for me saying that like he wants me on the team I'm good enough he's gonna hold my spot I come back again too early because you know that's just how I was built and unfortunately the coach is like hey like you know we're gonna have to try again next year I gotta give your money to another like proven walk-on that is has done really well in your absence you know so that was heartbreak right there. I lost soccer's uh, quote unquote. You know, I that my whole life from age ten, I was so driven to be a Division One player. You know, and this kind of kept me grounded. You know, my my editing on the side was just like on the side. You know, it was my my side passion. You know, right. nobody was pushing me to do that at the time. Right, it was just like kind of my hidden talent. Gotcha. So my yeah. soccer was everything for me. You know, so that got taken away from me. And then after that, I just didn't know how to function because I was living off campus and I literally felt like I had no purpose. Yeah, I'm going to school, but I'm with three other roommates. They just want to party. Like I was very committed to, you know, soccer. So after losing that, I got walking pneumonia, being sick for a whole week. I missed a whole week of school. I come back. I get called in by my financial aid advisor. And then 
my financial aid advisor says, hey, there's some irregularities with your with your paperwork involving your uh, enrollments the uh, spring semester. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, wait, what do you mean? So within a three-week time period, I lost soccer. I was living off campus, having no purpose. And then I got kicked out of school, living off campus, having no purpose, no school, no soccer. Man, just bam, bam, the, bam. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. And that's like the first two months. With that said, for the next seven months or three months, four months of the spring semester, I was just dead, man. Like I had no purpose. And, you know, not having a purpose is one of the worst feelings you can you can have. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but not having soccer, being kicked out, and then really not having, you know, a dream to kind of chase, so right. to speak. And that to me really, you know, caught me depressed. But I was fighting the system, trying to get like a, a hearing at the end of the year. They gave me a hearing and said, hey, look, you know, we respect you, you know, telling the truth. I had told them that I was receiving no extra money from uh, another parent. I was just trying to make money on my own. And then right. they kind of they kind of appreciated me telling the truth. So they said, hey, look, we're going to let you come back in, finish off your senior year, but you're not going to be able to have any more financial aid. You're going to have to pay it all in loans. Man. And I was like, damn, that's $50,000 straight loans. I can't do that. So luckily my dad stepped in and said, hey, you know, let's figure it out. Come live with me. I did that. And, you know, after being rejected from the school, not having school, soccer, a dream, basically coming back home. And during the summer, I would get the summer job working downtown parking lots in Santa Barbara. You know, it's a pretty, pretty good job. My dad worked for the city at the time, always hooked it up, you know, every summer. Gotcha. Yeah. And this is my summer coming after my junior year. And they didn't have that job available anymore. So they had to demote me to a job that still did those qualities, uh, that type of job work. I had to clean every bathroom downtown public. Uh, Yeah, downtown uh, State Street, Santa Barbara. So it's a very nice area, but there's a lot of, you know, homeless people, a lot of people who did a lot of drugs in the bathroom. I mean, it was very bad. And the worst thing of all, I had to close down the women's restrooms and had to deal with a lot of homeless people. You know, you got to clean up the toilet paper. You also got to clean up the, you know, tampon dispensaries. It's very degrading, guys. You know, to be on your knees cleaning, scrubbing it while other women are coming in and out. Like, it's it's very, I can't really explain it, but it's something that I never want to feel again. And, you know, being a janitor, you have to have a lot of respect for, to be honest, for what they do. And, um, and apparently, they took me off doing the other duties, and they made me a full-time custodian. Really? Yeah, so there I was, full-time custodian, and everybody from my hometown thought I was a successful soccer player, going to make my dreams a reality. And then I started seeing old ex-girlfriends, seeing old ex-buddies, because that's three years in. People are still like in and out, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the most hard things to kind of go through. I don't know if you see your ex-girlfriend, and they kind of see you in that a janitor suit cleaning toilets that's just something that you don't want to be pictured as you know right whereas people thought you're going to be the successful person so that was really hard to get through so you know to kind of speed this up saying that i got really depressed man and i you know i started drifting into the drinking world drifting into the partying world and drifting into a lot of people that kind of stirred me into the wrong direction so i went through some phases with that uh to speed up even further along I got into a relationship. Mm-hmm. I was try- I was trying to tell her all my problems and trying to relate to her how much pain I was going through in a 10-month span. She was there for me. Had an incredible few weeks with her. But at the end of the day, it just kind of came out to her just telling me that it just didn't seem like I knew what I was doing in life. And it didn't seem 
I knew where I was going. So right. I didn't really have a plan. And, you know, she was 100% true. I didn't have a plan and I was scared. So at that point, she was making like $70,000 coming out of school and I was making $800 a month as a janitor. So I could see her point. But at the end of the day, that rejection kind of fueled me to kind of push myself to, to kind of where I am today. Right. So that, totally understand. Yeah, so that whole cloud of doubt, the whole rejection narrative that we've talked about, you know, we can get into later on, but it goes both ways. You know, I was probably ready not to have a a very healthy relationship with not making so much money, you know what I'm saying, trying to settle down. But at at the end of the day, rejection, you know, really hurt me and, and really carried me out. And from that point on, I remember walking into my work the very next day and quitting my job on the spot. And I only had like $200 in my account because I was so depressed from everything that's happened to me. And I went on QVC.com, ordered my first camera and was like, you know, I'm going to go after my dream. I always had a vision of filming my own content, so to speak, filming my own footage. I'm just going to go around Santa Barbara and film everything. Film like the the best tattoo parlor, tell stories, uh, film the Boys and Girls Club, tell how they originated from the ground up, the best boxing club. I just went around my whole town and started creating stuff, bro. And that's basically like how I got in to uh, P3. And P3, if you guys don't know, it's one of the best facilities in the world, I want to say, for sports athletes, mm-hmm. for especially the NBA at that time. All the NBA teams would send their players to get tested. So basically, it's like the NBA 2K system now where they put all the dots on you. Right. And they put all those dots on you. They can measure whether your knee is weak in some areas or whether your Achilles is going to give out. It's pretty amazing stuff. But they started that whole wave of, you know, a lot of the people are doing now, like Paul Fabritz is doing now. like Right, the now, performance training. Yeah, performance training. They're really like the lead people to even start that. But now you got all these, you know, very talented people like Paul doing that stuff now so i got my in there and i remember my first actually i got my in there and i was working there for a year and a half for free really there until i until i met drew so what was that like doing that for free for so long you know i know you had that drive and that passion but was it ever like man like when is this gonna you know when am i gonna reap the benefits of this yeah and, and and that's another point like my dad was asking every day yo like is this ever gonna materialize into something like right i'm like, sure for a year i was kind of living off my dad and i didn't have much money i wasn't making any money doing what i love but i was happy as hell and i think that's the thing that scares people is you know if they're gonna chase after a dream there's a good chance you're not gonna see any money for two years so how am i gonna survive how are you gonna survive right you know and that's a hard thing a hard leap of faith to do but luckily, you know, I had some really good support, supporting people around me. My mom, you know, my dad too as well, you know, living with my dad, you know, providing me a, a place to stay. But there was a lot of pressure, you know. There's a lot of aching pressure for me to get out of the house. I felt it. Right, for sure. But, you know, I, I just to- always told my dad, I'm like, look, like this is all going to work out. It's all going to pay off. I, I believe in it. I believe in it. And, you know, my dad kind of doubted it. Like, I don't know, Sam. Like, you know, and it, it just, it drove me a little bit. I can't lie, but. You know, it did. You know, I, I, I worked there for a whole year and a half, but I got everybody's respect. I mean, I can go back there any day I want and I can walk in there and walk around, talk to the guys, be there however long, even film because they all respect me. I worked for there free for a whole year and a half and created them some really dope content. So the mutual respect is there. And mm-hmm. they were like some of my first mentors, Marcus Elliott, which is the owner of P3 Sports and, and Adam Hewitt, who uh, was a really big mentor to me, assistant general manager there. And they really pushed me to kind of 
you know, chasing my dream and offered me a platform. I remember they would leave me there alone and I would sign there sometimes for the mail and they would all go out to lunch. So that was, that was the most awesome thing for me is like, that trust. Yeah, that trust. And I didn't even have like a known commitment to them on paper, but I was still entrusted by them to really go after it, you know? And I think you need to do that. If you're a creator, you got to like put in free time, put in free work. You got to really prove to people that you really want to help them. If right. that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then I met Drew after a year and a half. And luckily, coming in that pre-draft, because he was doing all the pre-drafts every April, May, right, up until June. And I think he had Shabazz Muhammad, uh, Muhammad and John Jenkins the year before. And I just missed him um, having worked there for a year and a half. So it was on his way out. So I met him. And then I was like, he was telling me his clientele, what he did, Bradley Beal, Jason Tan, David Lee. And I was like, okay, this is the guy I want to work for, right? <laughs> so I was I was working for P3, but I was also doing stuff for Drew. So we, me and Drew just kind of connected from there. Both for free I, at the same time? Yeah, both for free. So uh, Drew was there for four months, and I started working. For, I, was, I started working. There's always a cool story. So me and him just kind of gravitate towards each other in terms of just our, our connection, in terms of working hard and having big dreams and I remember going over to his house. Uh, he was staying in a hotel, and I was working until like four in the morning, doing like a film edit for him, like sorting out all his MJ footage. And uh, he woke up, and I was still there. And then I went back home around five in the morning. I texted him at six thirty in the morning, film like finishing this project, saying, "Hey, here's the here's the YouTube link. Here's this private YouTube link you can send to your clients now." So he always, I think he's told that story multiple times on podcasts and stuff like that, but. The grind was definitely real between he and I, and we we literally grinded for those next four months. And Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, you know, for him training those guys, it really kind of broke his career. And uh, we kind of just proved to each other that you know we both need each other at that time and to really chase after our dreams. And at the end of the process, you know, he asked me if I was interested in ever considering moving to St. Louis and uh, working under him. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, of course, of course. And there's a funny story. Like, I may have pressed him a little bit and saying, hey, I want to work for you. Like, what can I do to do this? You know? Right. And it eventually came out to where I, I wrote a proposal to him saying, hey, I don't care. Just all I need to do is go live somewhere and eat. Like, just pay me $1,000 a month. Right? So realistically, that that couldn't work. And he was like, yo, like, we're going to start out, like, you know, a couple more hundred dollars and see how it goes. And it just kind of took off from there. And I was able to make um, – a Zach Levine mixtape and an Andrew Wiggins mixtape, and uh, they went viral. It was they were going around the league and they're writing Bleacher reports about it. And that's when I really truly believe we kind of started the movement of content with the basketball world of, of workouts and, and training and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in the pre-draft mixtapes, you know, you can still see those online to this day: Andrew Wiggins pre-draft mixtape and the Zach Levine pre-draft mixtape. But yeah, I was able to prove to him that we could do some really good things. I moved to St. Louis, and you know the rest is just history, man. We just really worked our asses off, and you know, unfortunately, he had Jason Tatum from a young age, and you know, Bradley Beal materialized who he is today, and David Lee was a two-time perennial All-Star, and Zach Levine went from ranked 29th in the draft to being drafted 13th, and there's so many success stories that you know I can go on about, but. Right. Um, and everybody has that DNA you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Drew, you've talked to Drew multiple times, but he uh, he uh, represents that DNA to to a standstill. Even though he may be overly obsessive, it's it's one of the qualities <laughs> you, you need to have, you know. Right. But that's life in a nutshell. And uh, I know it's hard to not blabber about it, but that stuff really is very passionate to me. And 
uh, I think a lot of people are really afraid to kind of, you know, take that leap of faith. And that leap of faith for me was to really, you got to really go after your dreams and really abandon, you know, any type of stress, any type of worry. And you need, even if you do get worried or stressed, like it, it's all going to work out. You know, I really do believe that the value of having belief in yourself is going to, you know, carry over to what you want to eventually accomplish. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's important for those to hear, like, your side of it. Again, it's another perspective in basketball of somebody making an impact and making a difference and being an influence in the sport without being the one lacing them up and stepping on the court. And I think it's also important for people to hear your story of, you know, chasing your dreams and it not being easy. Everybody sees the end result, like we've talked about, but they don't notice the process. Same thing with these overseas guys and everybody that's, you know, in the league or in broadcasting or whatever it be, like it's not an easy route. And the people that are actually successful are the ones that are really putting in time and making those sacrifices that suck. Yeah, I think it is. Like I think putting in the time scares people because putting in that time, you're not making any money. You're not making any gains at that moment. Like if I put in four time, four hours of work of editing something I'm not getting paid for, well, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? You know? Right. And in so, their mind, they're like, I got a job. I got a full time job tomorrow. I got to wake up at nine, work from nine to five. Like, and then all I want to do is just go to sleep and watch TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's hard for people to understand that there's not going to be any immediate gain at that moment. Like, it's going to happen down the line. And on top, you're not making any money. So it's stressful, man. Like, yeah, I'm absolutely. Not gonna I think, it was stressful. I think, like, a lot of people, you know, they think, you know, when they want to go do something, and they want to be somebody, they want it to happen right away. You know, it's just like people in the fitness world. Um, someone was, talk was talking to me about this the other day. People that, you know, want to gain muscle mass or want to lose weight or whatever the case may be, they yeah. go in the gym and the first day, the first night they get home, they look in the mirror expecting results. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's not, that's just, that's impossible. It's not the case, man. It's it's over a course of time. Um, and that's how all these players, that's how you, that's how people that are successful, it takes repetition. You know, these guys got to do it multiple times and they got to fail multiple times in order for them to reach that pinnacle um, of success. And so, like, for you, like earlier, you talked about how, like, this is a dream come true. Like, you've, through the ups and downs and the, and the doubts and, you know, everything in between, you've somehow managed to get to where you can say, like, you know, I'm I'm a successful guy because yeah. I worked for where I'm at today. And so what what keeps you going knowing that I am successful? I have accomplished a lot of things that um, I set out to to do. What keeps you going still? That's a great question, man. And I'm really trying to kind of you know, doubt and rejection has really driven me for a very long time and I'm trying to ease up on it. But, you know, I've said this in other things, other, you know, podcasts in the past or other, you know, to other people and my close friends. But, you know, having that doubt, having that rejection, it really, it reminds me to keep going. And I know it could be toxic at some times, but I never want to feel like a janitor again. I never want to clean toilets again. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I feel like I'm going to lose everything I have. So I think I think you got to trick yourself in some way in thinking that you're going to lose it all. Yeah. It's weird to say that, but I think you need to trick yourself or else you get content. Right. You, know? you get complacent. And, and I always feel like if your back is against the wall and you feel like you're going to lose things. I, Drew gets make, makes fun of me all the time. He says, 
don't worry, don't worry, I'm not gonna fire you. I'm not gonna find another video guy. Like you're my guy for life. You're my you're my guy for life. You know, it's a funny joke we have, this this funny banter, but in reality, like Justin knows how much like I work and how much I love my job. Oh yeah. And I really do think that you need to trick yourself in thinking like, you know, nothing's guaranteed, this this could fade away. And you just you work even harder. And I think for me being around all these athletes, especially just the relationships I've built. And Justin, you've seen that those relationships in person with uh, that I have with all the guys. Absolutely, yeah. It's a mutual um, respect between you and them because y'all both put the work in. And I think yeah. I think and successful then, people especially realize that and have that mutual respect with other people when they're able to see, you know, okay, this guy works harder than I do. Especially in that, you know, the world you guys at Pure Sweat work in, you know, because yeah. it's it's easy for the NBA player that's making millions to be like, man. I mean, this guy didn't work harder than me. Why should he this? Why should he that? You know, but at the same time, it's like this guy's in here at 5 a.m. or wherever time I'm in here this early in the morning, this late at night. He's in here just like I am. We may not be putting in the literal, you know, amount of sweat equity, but we are putting in the same amount of work as far as what we're good at, what what our purpose is in this profession, and we're, we're doing a great job at it. And so a lot of guys in the league and – professional sports in general in the, in the business world wherever the case may be it's so easy for people to be like i outwork this guy out I, I work this person or this ceo whatever but at the same time we all have different paths and our and our end result isn't the same just like your end result isn't you know to be an nba player or to be an nba all-star like brad beal like zach whoever whoever the client is there they want to be an all-star they want to get the next contract. They want to be an all NBA player. And so for you, you just want to be the best version of yourself and and put out the best content you possibly can while being the best video guy there is on the planet. Spot on. And so and that, and that's amazing. And you know, it goes back when you said, you know, sometimes you wake up and you feel like you're going to lose everything. And I think the greats, I think some of the best people in professional sports in the game of basketball, they are they got to where they got because of that fear. Kobe is Kobe because that fear of, man, I don't want to lose it, so I got to go harder. And some people, and you see it all the time, some people are still, there's some guys in the league that are still working in the front office when, you know, they made millions and millions over the course of their career. And people ask, well, why, why are these guys still still working? Why are these guys still, you know, they could be at home chilling on the beach or whatever. But it goes back to it's a mindset. It's a work ethic. I want to continue to get better. This is something I'm passionate about. And we can can tell that you're passionate about what you do. And so as a athlete, um, as a fan of mixtapes, as a fan of the game of basketball, most likely I've I've come across uh, some of your content. And it gets me going. It motivates me. And I'm sure it motivates a lot of people out there, athletes or non-athletes. And so – uh, what you do is amazing for the game. You know, that goes back to the reason why we have this podcast in the first place. 100%, man. No, I, I appreciate those co- compliments. One thing is I want to be known as someone at the end of the day who is passionate and who is just has always remained humble to the very essence of the person I was when I was 10. You know, right. those janitor field nights where I was working till 11 o'clock at night, cleaning every day, closing the women's bathroom every day. I want people to know like you can become anything you want to be, but you just have to have that belief in yourself. And and I think a lot of people 
I don't know if they necessarily give up on that belief or not, but I think it's it's just untapped. People don't tap into it. You know, they have it in them, but they don't unlock it. They don't tap into it because it's too hard to go through that. It's too hard to believe in yourself every day. It's too hard to take a leap every day. It's too hard to make it to the NBA, you know, so to speak. Right. And uh, I think that biggest risk people are scared of is taking that step and looking back and thinking, man, I did all of that for nothing. And yeah, it, it, failure. It, it didn't people come to fruition. People are scared yeah. of failure. Yeah. I would take it a step farther and say people are scared of working and reaching failure. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if you go out and fail a test, I'm not that upset. But if I yeah. study for four hours and I still fail that test, that's a gut. that hurts. That's a, that's a shot that, right in the gut. Like, honestly, guys, that's one of the things. Failure has made me who I am. And honestly, if any type of failure comes my way, Absolutely. I, am so, I am so used to that. I lost soccer. I, I got sick with, you know, walking pneumonia. I lost school the very next week later. I was living with three other roommates. I had no purpose in my life. People were just partying. I didn't even want to party on the weekends because I had no purpose. Right. Like you wasting useless money on rent and not even going to school. And like I got I got so obsessed with just watching video games all day like. I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. I mean, then I moved back home, living with my parents, like became a janitor, like all these failures, you know, got in trouble with the law. Like I'm not proud about all these failures that happened to me happened in 11 months and it just never stopped. But that's one of the things you made them serve a purpose. That's one of the things I pride myself is I, I, I almost welcome failure, man. Like I'm not really coming into that too much these days with failure, but I'm always going to be prepared for it you know it's made you who you are and it and that's just as a as a human not even we're not even talking straight strict the game of basketball as a human you gotta i mean you gotta go through failure i mean anybody any successful person there's not and and i would want to say there's not a person that is successful on this planet that had a perfect record a perfect route to their success without bumping into something along the way. And so failure is something that molds a person. And you see it through everything. Even I follow The Rock on social media. You know, some he sometimes goes in detail about his his scars on him. His how he started off with seven bucks and he didn't know what to do with it. And now he's the highest selling actor, highest paid actor in Hollywood. Yeah. Because of his work ethic. And because of those failures, now he has his own movie studio because of those failures early on in his life. And that's what motivates him. That's what gets that guy going. That's what gets some of these pro players going. Um, Pat Bev. And we, and we, we can go on and on about well, we, yeah, we multiple like, like, honestly, stories. Yeah, honestly, like, so what I've been doing lately is I've been studying all these guys that have come from failure, like The Rock. And there's so many other other sports people. You know, that's who we look up to the most, right? Sports, mm-hmm. you know. But there's so many other – I've been watching Elon Musk a lot. Like, there's an art to watching these guys on YouTube and, and figuring out their interviews and what motivates them. But there's a whole kind of dialogue. There's a You can find that DNA by listening to them talk over and over again. You hear the same yeah. wisdom from all of them. Yes. And it, they might not have the same story, but they have the same blueprint like you're talking about. Yeah, and they're all hurt. They've all been hurt, you know, career-wise yeah. or, or heart-wise or by their idols or – or not making their dreams, you know? So when you get hurt by not making your dreams, it almost is a propellant to you achieving your dreams, as weird as it is to say. Yep, yep, yep. So what's the next step for Sam Lamone? Honestly, it's basically to create dope, sick content 
that just motivates the average basketball fan, even motivates any fan, any normal person, you know, to get up, pick up a ball. But I just want to keep creating and just keep creating and not worrying about kind of the outside noise. And I got to do a better job for me. I think uh, there's so many creators nowadays where people are just creating shit to just create shit i don't know if you guys see that now (laughs) but i never want to lose the art of what how i create things always story building always story driven but that's i always want to take my craft extremely seriously i never want to kind of dive into the hilarious routine of just posting a post but i always post the usual nba pro player abusing an intern on the court you know (laughs) (laughs) of course you have to no I, i really do want to focus on um I've told you before, Justin, uh, the cloud of doubt movement that I, w- I really want to start. Absolutely. It's a really cool uh, brand you got going and a, a cool ideology and movement. Can you speak a little bit more on that real quick? Yeah, yeah, I can, I can close on that and, and stuff like that. But, you know, cloud of doubt is something that I, I heard in an interview. And, you know, Eminem is one of my favorite rappers of all time. And we have all heard his stories, but he's has some really emotional sound bites that anybody should listen to. But, you know, he really... Uh, inspire me because he said something in the interview saying like you know you always had those clouded doubts in his head you know people who he wanted to prove wrong and i really took that to heart and i was like thinking hmm, clouded doubt this is this is really this is a really cool concept and and nobody really kind of went off that you know so you know i created my own website create my own logo and basically the message is like you know everybody has doubts in their lives whether it's coming from your family your friends your best friends your girlfriend your teachers, it can come from anywhere. And that doubt can really, really grind into you and develop self-doubt. And sometimes it could just be yourself. But I really do believe that this you know, path of life that we are on, we need to discover our own self-belief. And we run into doubt along the way a lot. So we need to really eliminate that doubt and really practice that, eliminate that doubt throughout our lives. So that's kind of like my message of having that clouded out, mm-hmm. getting rid of it. And there's just so many different clouds, whether it's, like I said, friendships, relationships, it can be anything, your icons. Right. But yeah, that's, I really want to go into that movement a little bit more. And uh, I'm very big into mental health. I really feel like mental health nowadays is going to take a turn for everybody's going to be on that wave soon. And I'm really an uh, advocate for it. And I really do believe people go through a lot that we just don't know what's really going on with them. And a lot of people develop doubt at a very young age. Absolutely. But, yeah. That's my spill on it. And uh, I really look to forward to, you know, building that, that, that brand a little bit more with my shirts and uh, Instagram a little bit more. Right. That's awesome. And we'll definitely put the links up for that and point people to the direction where they can get involved with that and get the shirt. That's really cool. Before we let yeah. you go, we're going to hit you with a speed round, give you maybe five or six questions. You can just rattle them off for us, get to know you. and Yeah, let's do it. All right. We we talked a little bit about this earlier, actually, but what did you want to be when you were little? Oh, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. What's your favorite food? Oh, man, there is nothing like chicken parmesan and maybe some Alfredo pasta on the side. Solid. Favorite spot in L.A.? Favorite spot in L.A.? He's... <laughs> It's a tough one. We talk about like food spot or give me a food spot and give me a, a hidden gym. Oh, you know what it is? Urban plates. Fire. Favorite city. New York City. I think I'm making that move, guys. That's big time. Big nice. moves. City boy. Yeah, I probably should have talked more about that, but I think there's just so many more creative people out there. And I think it's just different from LA, man. I think LA is very spread out and uh, I think people are kind of going all in on themselves 
New York is a little bit more collaborative, if that makes sense. Right. No, absolutely. Would that just yeah. be from a content stance or a basketball pure sweat stance or just in general? Uh, I, I think Drew – I mean, I know Drew is considering making that move. So if Drew goes out there, I'll be out there. Probably cool. Time. Celebrity yeah. crush. Oh, my God. That's an easy one. Emily Radzowski. I, I can't even say her name right, but you know who it is. Oh, I know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what, what advice – would you give someone trying to to chase their dream? You know, would that be work for free? We you, we talked about that a little bit earlier too. You know. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a <laughs> a damn motivational person, but um, from my experience and, and just being a very you know passionate person, and and uh, I do like to pride myself on being motivational because I'm always going to push somebody to push. You know, go go try to accomplish their dreams. But for sure. And a lot, you know, when you do that to people, you can kind of find out in the first two minutes if they're being very receptive of that advice. And you can kind of tell what kind of person they are. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, yeah. If you're trying to push somebody to really go after something. But I really do believe mm -hmm. that, like I've been saying, is you have to put the work in and you have to work hard. And those are the most cliche things that I always tell a person. But I can give that person an example of, of me working hard and never giving up on myself. Like I will tell them my whole story, but my whole story is not about my failures. Yeah, that helps, but I never gave up myself and I always worked hard and I have proof to back that up. I was a damn janitor cleaning tampon dispensaries for a living every day for a whole year and a half to doing what I love, being around all these, the NBA world, you know, being around all, the, all these NBA personalities, even more higher personalities, working for the best skills coach in the country. Like I have proof to really tell you that, no, you have to go this route. It really does work. The blueprint works. Yeah, it's very cliche, but like I said, like we've been talking about, it's it's very stressful for somebody to, to just say, hey, I'm very unhappy with this job. I'm going to go after my dreams. But they wake up that next day and they have to face that leap of faith that they took that day before. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, man. And you got to push through it. You got to figure out a way to survive. And if you survive and be able to work towards your dreams, you'll, you'll do it. And that's the thing that kind of gets me sad is, is people will, will follow that paycheck. will follow the cubicle route. will follow the five o'clock lead route and um, not really untap their full potential. I really do believe people just don't tap into that side. And um, if I can be, any type of reason or any type of motivational um, person to even be an example, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to press them as much as I can. And people might not be able to take that pressure, but you never know who you can get through to people. But that's that's my thing is I really do believe you got to make that leap of faith, which I did seven years ago. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on here. It was, it was great to hear your story. And I know it'll help a lot of people people in basketball people trying to accomplish their dreams people who are content creators and that's what this is about is just getting all these different perspectives all the different journeys and tying it all together so we really appreciate you coming on thanks man thanks guys